With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Charles Leclerc has crashed out of the French Grand Prix after leading so much of it. And for the third time this season, Charles Leclerc, when leading a race, won't go on to finish it. It's my fault, and if I keep doing mistakes like this, then I deserve to not win the championship. Max Verstappen wins the French Grand Prix. And Max, this has been a very good result for you in the championship. Uh, you've extended your lead from 38 points to 63 over Charles, sitting pretty at the top. Well, of course, I mean, it's a great lead, but a lot of things can happen, and I, I just want to stay focused. It's all about scoring points uh, every single race, even when it's not your day. In the end, it was a dominant victory for Max Verstappen, more than 10 seconds clear of the field. But of course, the talking point of the French Grand Prix is what's going on at Ferrari. Now, with Damon and Natalie on holiday and not at Paul Ricard with me, I'm joined by, well, I've got a handful, a real international field with me after the race today. Uh, Daniel Ortelli from AFP. Can I call you a veteran, Daniel? Is that unfair? How long have you been covering I Formula love it. One for I've AFP? I've been covering Formula One for 10 years now. I think that's veteran. Yeah. Now look, very quickly, Daniel, how do you sum up that race? Who's happy, who's sad? Well, Max is happy because he, again, he's been dominant and he's, he's taken the maximum number of points. And again, Ferrari is not up to the task because Carlos had this change of engine. He had this penalty for unsafe release. And Charles says he he made a mistake, but I'm not 100% sure that it's true. There was something about the throttle, wasn't there? Yeah, so I mean, he he's said... He's very hard on himself, isn't he, Charles? He's Leclerc? very hard on himself, but at the end, when we saw him in the in a mixed area for interviews, he, he seemed so detached. I mean, it was strange because a guy who's doing that sort of mistake when starting on pole should be a bit less detached, a little bit less serene than, than he was when talking to the media. Now, Daniel, you're French. Charles Leclerc is monogast. Do you claim him as one of your own? Yes, we do, because he started uh, karting on the Brignoles uh, track uh, a few kilometers from here. And his uh, godfather in racing was Jules Bianchi. And, and he's been racing with French guys all his life. That's why he's so appreciated by the French crowd. You've seen the the French grandstand standing for him every time when he did something right this weekend, as much as if he had been uh, Esteban Ocon or Pierre Gasly. So he's one of the French, yeah. The man on your left, Daniel, is Eric Van Horen from De Telegraph in Holland. I'm guessing you've been asked for a few extra words by your <laughs> editor this evening. Yeah, maybe make the championship special already, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, maybe a tough thing to say a little bit. Uh, too eager there, but yeah, what is it? 10 races left, 63 points gap. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And uh, I think it's a little bit too easy to say, okay, Max has the gap because of the gifts he gets from Ferrari and from Charles today. He is so uh, consistent. 
I, I looked it up just now because um, Fred, another French colleague, asked me if you look at the results of Max. The last time he was not on the podium, not because of a technical thing or a, or a, or a mistake by the team or a crash. I think it was the Russian Grand Prix in 19. So that's an unbelievable streak. And he's so consistent. And of course, he had two DNFs at the beginning of the season. But now, yeah, a 63 gap. And I think they don't have the quickest car. So it's a yeah, miracle. Well, I think the point both of you guys are making is that to beat Red Bull and Max Verstappen, you have to be perfect. And while the Ferrari car is good, Ferrari themselves are far from perfect, aren't they? That's the other problem of the weekend. Carlos was saying on Friday or Saturday, I'm not ready to be the number two. I've shown over and over that I have the rhythm, that I'm good, and, and, uh, and he seems to forget about the beginning of his season, but that's good for him. It makes sense that he doesn't talk about it. And now he says, I'm right up to, at the top. And again tonight, he said, after the race, I made a mistake last time. Charles makes a mistake this time. We are pushing so hard that we are making mistakes. So he's really pleading for having those two drivers on equal terms. And we, we more or less know that it's a passport for, for defeat at the end of the season, because it, it's been like that before. So it's like kind of you're banging your head against the wall at Ferrari. But I felt Ferrari were working very well during qualifying. I thought, I thought the way they towed each other, Carlos Sainz playing, <laughs> he won't like me for saying this, but the perfect number two role, towing Charles during qualifying, giving him those extra two tenths. Yeah, it was beautiful and, and, and it was very encouraging seeing that because then we thought they have the best car, obviously. Charles is on pole, Carlos is going to come back and that's what happened. And, and everything played well until until this mistake by, by Charles. Eric, you've spoken to Max after the race. Do you think he would have won this one had Charles Leclerc kept going? Difficult one, because I think the undercut at Rebel, they, they thought the undercut would work uh, because he stopped quite early, maybe earlier than expect. The funny thing is, Rebel miscalculated on two points. Before the race, they thought it would be a two-stop race. No, it was a one-stop. And they thought overtaking was quite easy but you saw he was stuck behind Charles so if you don't have the track position here with also with the new cars and the and the top line speed they had the, the straight line speed they had it was it was a difficult one but I think he was quite confident on the on the car he is more or less confident in the car on Sunday but the Saturday is quite tricky and I think it was in the press conference when you asked him uh, about Hungary yeah he is quite he's saying yeah that's that's a Ferrari territory but yeah we are in Ferrari land sometimes more and then we don't know for sure that they will win the race. So if he gets a second place or a third place there, that's also good if you have this lead. But today it was be, would be very tough and GP said to me, the engineer, it would be nice to see the fight after. It was not that he was hoping for the fight, but we, the fans, the media, everyone, we, you hope for a fight. And this is like the third time after Barcelona, Baku and today that we don't have to fight because Charles as a DNF. I think he's very hard on himself, Charles Leclerc. I think even if it is his fault, the way he comes out in the media and says, I think he used the word unacceptable. Yeah. Which is a very hard description of yourself as a sportsman. It's a big difference with Max. Because Max made mistakes in the past as well. He will make mistakes maybe later because he, he is not a robot, he's a human. Sometimes we think he's a robot, but I think he's a human. Didn't check, but <laughs> I think so. Um, but you see it all for years. He's always, after every mistake, so hard on himself. And you can say at one point, okay, that's good. 
you show you show that to yourself but okay you can make a mistake and i'm really really interested if it was his own mistake or it was a ferrari thing it was very interesting when charles talked to us at the end after the tv because he doesn't say the same thing to the tv and to the print media and he said i feel that i'm driving at the best level of all my career but if i make those mistakes there's no point so i mean you know it's like kind of a contradictory statement like i've never been that good but i keep making mistakes so i agree he's very hard on himself and 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 he doesn't allow himself to 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 make a mistake because he knows it's so competitive and he knows they are against red bull and it's strange because Max now has results the same way as Lewis had results before. You know, he was always on the podium, always finishing the races. And and now we have a new Max, a new Max who is so cool, so relaxed, so serene that basically he doesn't care whether he wins or finishes second or third. He just wants to take the points. Is he so serene because he knows he's got the car underneath him to win this world championship or is he serene because he's now a reigning world champion? I think it's uh, that as well. He is uh, the reigning world champion, but he is kind of hard as well because he has the criticism of the team of the car, uh, especially on the Saturday on, in one lap. So it's, I have to say, uh, it's a little bit both of both of these things because he is quite after Saturday. Sometimes after qualifying, when you speak with him, you think he's P8 or something because because he wants to be on pole position. But that's very tough in this car because Ferrari has the benefit on one lap. So he keeps pushing every time he can say we have to do we have to do better we have to improve but it's quite easy to say if you 63 points ahead now, now eric this is the first time we've had you on the show uh, and it's lovely to have you on the show and the last time maybe <laughs> <laughs> just give us an insight into how big max verstappen is in holland now i have to say i'm doing this for five years now and I'm still every year I'm surprised. Now we, of course, we had COVID. Now we still have COVID, but we have full stands again. If you see this year, next week in Hungary will be mental. Probably, uh, Austria was mental. Uh, Spa will be mental. Uh, Sandford, of course, will be mental. With so many Dutch fans, he is so popular. If you see it on our own website, all the stories of F1, it's booming still. And he's champion. And this season is so far not that exciting, exciting as last year with the fight with Lewis. But he is so popular. I never see it with an individual sportsman in the Netherlands. Uh, it's incredible and it seems yeah maybe in the first years at 15 16 70 people say it's a hype but it's not a hype because we are in 22 now is he bigger than any other sportsman bigger than footballers yeah at the moment for sure because we don't have a motorsport country yeah of course we had a hardcore fan base who watched formula one in the past indycar things like that formula one especially but now everyone knows max verstappen if i go to the hairdresser the first thing they ask me is how is Max they don't ask me uh, what do you want with your haircut how is Max and how is he in real life so that's uh, maybe that's not a good uh, explanation would you but like a haircut like Max Verstappen's no, is that the next I'm, question I'm happy with my own haircut <laughs> sorry Max <laughs> interesting I thought too that Sergio Perez had a very difficult weekend here and and actually the Mercedes beat him on pure pace so it's becoming a bit of a one car team Red Bull which is good for Max as well isn't it Yes, but uh, Sergio has had a very long streak of good results and, and he's always had those days off when he was not as good as uh, the rest of the time. The thing with him is that he's, he's good or very good most of the time and he has a few off days 
and maybe a bit more than, than the other guys. Uh, but he's still a very valuable asset for, for, the, for the team. And he's the one who makes Red Bull an armada, just like Mercedes was an armada with Valtteri. And, uh, and because everybody knows what they have to do. And, uh, and that's why it's confusing when you see that Ferrari is not ready to make that call. Because, of course, for, for Charles, it's difficult. Because he has to prove himself not only against Max, but against Carlos all the time. And this has happened before over the past 70 years in Formula One. And you had those stories at Ferrari all the time and the politics. And, uh, and, and Carlos being so clever uh, that he's, he's probably doing almost everything he wants at Ferrari. And, and good for him. I mean, it's, it's normal that he's doing that. But it's tough for Charles because uh, he's not the number one and he knows that to, in order to beat Red Bull, that, that team has to be behind him, all of them. And, and that's what happened on Saturday with Carlos allowing him to get the pole. But strategically, Ferrari were left wanting again, weren't they? Yeah. What do you think, Eric? I don't know. Look at Red Bull. They never say we have a number one driver because they don't need to say. Of course, after the Monaco win of Checo, there was a little bit of the burst of Checo thinking and saying, I'm, I'm going for the championship. He said it this week as well. And yeah, that's his own thing. Of course, he can. But now it's, I think it's quite clear if it wasn't already clear. But I was surprised by Checo because the, uh, yeah, you're right, because Mercedes was quicker than him. But the difference between Max and Checo was like, what was it, half a second a lap or something. So, but at Ferrari, we saw it in Austria as well, at the sprint race, if you don't have a clear number one and you allow them to fight, it's the stupidest thing to do because you, you lose a lap time. If you were Ferrari, would you have pitted Carlos Sainz right at the end of the race and lost a podium? Yeah, I think they had to because he was on the medium. I think it would, wouldn't last that long. But it was so strange. Like, we have the rebel, we have the calmness of uh, GP Lambiasse and Max Verstappen on the radio, almost the time. You hear Ferrari, Sainz has to tell his own engineer that he don't have a five-second stop-and-go penalty, but a normal five-second penalty. That's quite, it's quite strange. Uh, Carlos has to say, no, I'm not boxing because I'm in a fight with, uh, with uh, Checo. So, what's going on there? So, if you don't, are not on the same page as your driver, that's another problem. So, we have many problems at Ferrari. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We are uh, in the middle of the paddock here at Paul Ricard and our race winner Max Verstappen is just walking up the paddock oh. now. Was that a bit of a high five from Max Verstappen there? Uh, it was more like, a, what is it, a, a pin on the head on my chest. Maybe it was an attack from Max. No, I think what is he having? Is it is his trophy or the, the Ferrari Trento? I don't know if he likes Ferrari Trento. I think he's more into gin tonic, but maybe that's another topic. Just, just as he's walked past, is he good with the media now? I think, yeah, but I'm speaking for myself. I'm in this sport since 17. We have a good professional relationship. I think he's always straightforward. He's not as political, sorry to say, as Charles. 
Charles is always looking at me, not always defending the team. Sometimes Mattia Binotto has to say it to him, don't say it in the media. Max is clever, he knows what he can say and what he's not going to say, but he always is honest. And that's what I like, because he's not a typical, like, we have a lot of football players who are always so political correct, but he is so straight. And if I need him, if I have a question for him, if I want something from him, he always delivers. So, yeah, we have a good connection, so and we, I think he trusts me, we, I trust him, yeah. And that's not the most important, but if you have that kind of a relationship, it's easy to work together. Well, guys, I feel we've done Red Bull and Ferrari. That was the battle for the front. Let's talk about Mercedes now. They came into this race weekend expecting to be a little bit closer, and I think probably closer than they actually were. Daniel, were you expecting them to be closer, or did you see progress from Mercedes this weekend? No, they've always been better in the races this season than in qualifying, because they have so much experience and, and they have so much data to analyze. They are, they are so clever in general. I mean, they, they, they made a few mistakes last, last year and we, we know what the result was at the end, but uh, I think they're really back to their, to their game, back, back on the ball and, and, uh, and the car is progressing and, and the drivers are not complaining that much about the, the drivability of the car. So they can, they can start a race knowing that they're gonna win positions and uh, and I think they are very consistent. And, and when Lewis says we're going to win one before the end of the year, I think he's right. Because they're going to have one day where everything will be good. The weather maybe, the track, the, 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 the incidents. And, and they're going to win one. He was waxing lyrical after the race in the press conference about uh, the 2009 season. Uh, of course, he just won the championship for the first time the previous season. And he then... Uh, got into the 2009 car, the first year of Kurs, for those people who remember uh, that introduction back then, and the car was nowhere. And it was the Hungarian Grand Prix where he won his first race that year. So people saying, can you win your first race again in Hungary uh, this time around? And uh, he was making comparisons and saying they're not quite ready to win in Hungary next weekend, but they've now found a path forward with this car Everyone at the team has got their mojo back. And I think we're going to see quite a fast rate of development now from Mercedes. Would you agree? Yeah, and I think and they need results like this to have this fighting spirit. Eh? Toto was coming on the radio to push George uh, in his fight with Checo. George, keep your head down. You can have it down. And Lewis is, has an incredible streak. I think it was his fourth podium in a row with a car not as quick as the Ferrari or the Red Bull. I think they expect it to be a little bit more quicker, a little bit more competitive this weekend, but still they are reliable, they are calm, they are working on a good level. And that's maybe the difference with Ferrari in that, in that aspect. But yeah, I think they, if they can make this kind of steps forward, then they are, they are there maybe at the beginning of 2023 20, next season. So I think if they can manage that, then maybe next year we have a three teams fight. I think it's impressive how Mercedes have kept themselves sharp operationally this year. Okay, they haven't had the speed to win races yet. Just the way they're going about the race weekends is as sharp as if they were fighting for the wins, I think. I mean, funnily enough, Andrew Shovelin said earlier in the weekend that we haven't gone for outright speed with our pit stops. We've gone for consistency. We heard uh, in the press conference uh, an hour earlier, Lewis talking about his 300th Grand Prix basically for the first time of the weekend because he didn't care about that. Is that more than more races than you, Daniel? Yes, a lot more, a lot more. Maybe not on TV, but uh, 
Uh, he, he was not sounding as a guy who's ready to retire. And he was saying, we are planning development on what I want to have in the car next year. So basically, a guy who's, who's planning to retire is not going to say, I'm pushing the engineers for them to put what I want in the car for next year. He's never going to retire after a, a, a bad year or a year without winning or winning once. It's impossible. I mean, we know this guy very well. And, you know, he, he likes the way the whole sport develops. It's been absolutely scorchio in the south of France all weekend, high 30s in the peak of the day. And of course, Lewis Hamilton revealed after the race that he had no drinks bottle. Well, how did that affect him? Well, let's talk to the medical director of Hintzer Performance, Luke Bennett, to get some answers. Luke. It's an interesting question, Tom, because the psychological stimulus of driving a Formula One car will overcome almost any discomfort. But we are also pretty cautious about dehydration. So, so there's two parts to it. There's dehydration and there's heat stress. Both are at play today. Dehydration can cause a, a decrement in your, in your cognitive processes, and we don't want that to go too far. But the drivers have proven over time that they can get away with this um, if really pushed to do so, either by a mechanical failure of their drink system or by a, a personal choice, like one or two drivers are given today. So how much weight would Lewis have lost in that race, just in sweat alone? Um, without referencing Lewis specifically, I think we, we would probably be on a par with a typical Singapore-type race today. The temperatures are similar, humidity not quite as high, but much more exposed to, to direct sunlight uh, with a daytime race. And so I think we're looking in the vicinity of three to four kilos. Uh, three to four litres of, of, of fluid loss. But adrenaline is an amazing thing, isn't it? It is. <laughs> and it just carries him through, right? It, it takes away that component of discomfort that we would, would tend to feel when you're, when you're exquisitely focused on that next apex. Um, but, you know, physiology is physiology and uh, it, it helps to drink. I'm not sure if it helps to be drinking something that's deeply unpleasant, warm, tasteless fluid. Uh, the engineers are also quite happy to have that weight off the car uh, if, if given the choice but um, yeah it, it can be done like everything in Formula One it's a it's a question of what is the optimal what is the optimal indeed Luke thanks very much Cheers. pleasure Tom we're joined now by Alan Permain from Alpine now Alan another strong weekend for you guys you're now number four in the constructors championship I'm guessing that's a happy debrief yeah it's pretty good uh, nice Nice race after a little bit of a stressful day yesterday with uh, Norris sticking half a second up us and uh, then bringing a big upgrade and us. it was a little bit of a wobble but um, sort of business as usual today, really nice to see and uh, yeah great looking forward to Hungary. I, th I find your car is amazing because every time you bring new bits to put on it they seem to work, you, yeah. you seem to have found a really good path to say that the, the, the whole of Enstone is, is working beautifully at the moment on that on that side of things upgrade wise the aero department are finding stuff constantly finding stuff and production are churning it out at a hell of a rate so we're uh, yeah it's, it's it's going ever so well the, you know the car the car today was 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 brilliant and fernando was was actually upset about the the safety car because he was looking you know i think we got to lap 18 or something and he'd pulled I don't know what it was on Norris, four or five seconds, something like that. And he said he was looking for, he was driving so conservatively, looking after his tyres. And we'd had this, we'd had this sort of number of lap 20 in our heads for a one stop and anything earlier than that 
would probably two stop and he said there was loads in the tyres and he was looking forward to after lap 20 just letting rip for three or four laps and, and, and going another second a lap quicker is it was what he was what he said which probably means half a second a lap quicker Alan, but look you've worked with fernando alonso for many years do you remember, guys, we heard him say over the radio, I'm going slowly, I want them close to me, so they ruin their ties. I love the way that guy thinks. Yeah, it's, 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 he, he's it's just sort of thinking five, ten laps ahead all the, all the time. Uh, and the confidence that he has in, in himself and in the car to, to be able to do that, to know that they, they can't catch him. You know, he, he, he'd figured out he can allow them to have DRS down into turn one you're not going to overtake there we're then much quicker than them through the little slow twiddly bit three four five and they they lose the DRS so so they he's, he wanted them sat there hurting their tires giving them an easier race so yeah it's it's nice to it's nice to hear him say stuff I, like that I think Alpine are firing on all cylinders right you've got two really good drivers the car's performing well are we gonna are we can we be confident about Hungary what are you feeling about yeah, the yeah, next race sure. well, we won it last year <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back in your box, Tom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we we need to qualify better. You know, we we need to do a better job in qualifying, and uh, and and so that that'll be a little bit more focus on that for for, for Budapest um, because it's not as easy to overtake there. And and Esteban, you know, he did a great race today as well. We haven't really spoken about him. He didn't have a great day yesterday. He had a really good day today. Uh, that penalty he got with, with Yuki was a little bit unfortunate and I've watched it back several times and I can convince myself either way whether he should have or shouldn't have got a penalty. But then to overtake Daniel and then have to overtake him again because when the safety car came out, without the safety car, he'd have pulled that five seconds on Daniel and, and it wouldn't have been an issue. So he, he done a fantastic race as well. So yeah, aim is to get both cars in front of both McLarens on Saturday in uh, Budapest and give ourselves an easy Sunday. Best of luck with that. Solid P4 in the Constructors' Championship. Alan, thank you very much for coming on the show. You're welcome, Tom. So, lads, interesting to hear Alan Permain talk about the um, McLaren updates. They were really working, particularly on Lando Norris's, in Lando Norris's hands. They're gonna have a, it's going to be a, a real ding-dong, that battle between Alpine and, and McLaren all season, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great battle. I don't know what Alpine has coming in terms of updates, but I think Alpine is doing a tremendous job as well. And McLaren makes a little bit, so it's a little bit up and forward. The same for Alpine, maybe it's a little bit uh, track-related. But yeah, what Alonso did today, and of course, I think you need, if you don't have the best car, you need, you need to have two drivers who are on the top of the level. And we don't see it with Ricciardo at the moment. We see it with Norris and we see it with Fernando. But I think Fernando almost always delivers. And I think he's very popular in France as well. In the Netherlands, he's really popular as well because people like him. He is like a living legend. He has still the fighting spirit in him. And what he did today, what you said, was, uh, was crazy. And interesting to hear Laurent Rossi, the boss of Alpine, allude strongly that Alonso will be driving for the team again next year. That's that's something that's come out of this weekend, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and Alonso, last year I had an interview with him. It was more about the Max versus Lewis championship fight. Of course, he was on the hand of Max. Um, but he was saying, I, I want to drive in Formula One for three or four more years. I think he's now 41 years old, but he still looks very in shape, really in form, in good form, really quick. That's the most important. So I think it's good for the sport. Sometimes it's good for the sport if the new generation gets a chance, but if the older generation, with all the respect, still has it, then they have to stay because they are a big 
uh, value for the sport as well. Oh, huge star quality. Same thing for Alfa Romeo, because I discussed that with Fred Vasseur this morning, and he says Valtteri has a lot less pressure at Alfa Romeo than he had at Mercedes, and he's a great leader for the team and for uh, Joe Guanyu. Uh, yeah, he, sa he says it works well. He says it works well, and, uh, and, uh, and he's a great leader for the team. And, and in those teams that are not the top teams, it's very important that you have that experience with Alonso, with Bottas, with a with a very strong a and a reference. You need that for the for the setup, for the race strategy, for and 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 it, it works. It works. I think the sport needs its references both on and off the racetrack, which takes us back to Alonso again. I feel that he gives value when he's in the car and out of the car. And you know, you just if if you're in a press conference situation, however good the young guns are. It's the Hamiltons and the Alonsos that draw most of the questions because they've got experience that they can reference and there's history with them and, and, and. So Alonso, I agree, is absolutely delivering and just, well, Alan Permain's eyes light up at the mention of, of Alonso. He really enjoys working with him, doesn't he? He's so consistent. I mean, he's so consistent. And he says every normal race, if I don't get a penalty or if I don't get a race incident, if I'm involved in a race incident, I finished sixth or seventh, and and that's that's right. He and he's so consistent that that for the team it's like um, a great value. And 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 Rossi said today, basically Fernando can stay as long as he wants. Uh, he said it to French media, British media, and, and that was like okay, let let's just sign and and and, and you know do something else. So I hope uh, Fernando signs. Let's hope Fernando stays in the sport for many years to come. Now, look, we're almost at the end of the top 10. Lance Stroll, P10, his fourth 10th place of the season. Quite a, quite a good ding-dong between yeah. uh, him and Vettel at yeah. the end. I was looking at my laptop to just to tweet and say something about uh, the top three for Stappen, Hamilton, Russell. And I was looking and I saw the fight between the two uh, Aston Martins. It was, it was great to fight for one point. It shows also a little bit the fight spirit Vettel still has. At the beginning of the season, I thought can be his last year. It will be his last year. But the last couple of months, you see him lighting up again. And I think this weekend he said that he um, wants to continue with Aston Martin. So yeah. uh, Vettel is the same. If he can keep the fighting spirit, then he's a great asset for the sport. If you don't have it, it's better to stop. But yeah, he is the one to decide, I think. Right. Do you think he'll stay at Aston? Because he, ha he has been linked to McLaren. And when yeah. asked that question, he said, um, well, I think Lando's still got a contract. <laughs> that's a clever. He's not wrong. That's a, that's a, and you can also say that Daniel has a contract, which is true as well. But of course, Zach Brown said he has some clauses in this. So, yeah, I think we need one, um, one seat to be give away and then we get the whole um, silly season uh, going to a start. So the top 10 looked like this. Max Verstappen took win number seven to lead the World Championship by 63 points. Lewis Hamilton was second, his best finish of the season, also his fifth podium. And George Russell made it a Mercedes 2-3, coming home on the bottom step of the podium. Sergio Perez was fourth, Carlos Sainz fifth, Fernando Alonso made it seven consecutive points finishes. In sixth, Lando Norris was the lead McLaren in seventh, Esteban Ocon the second, Alpine in eighth, Daniel Ricciardo his fourth points finish of the season in ninth, and Lance Stroll was the lead Aston Martin in tenth. 
what have we learnt outside of the finishing positions this weekend? Is there anything about this weekend where you've gone, oh, that, that's new? I think Mercedes is for my, me the positive. Not having the pace, but still reliability. It's always the key in Formula One and the motorsport, but especially this season. That's for me the key, and in Paul Ricard proves himself uh, again. Now, I ran the track last night. I'm just going to throw that in there. And uh, one thing I noticed that it, in some of the gravel traps, uh, the fans who were allowed to walk the track last night had written 2023 in the gravel. Really? Really keen uh -huh. for, for the race, obviously, to come back next year. There is no contract. We're going to find out soon whether the race will be on in 23 or whether it's going to be every other year or what the plans are from Stefano Domenicali and uh, the guys at Formula One. But I think undoubtedly it has been a great success this year. I think that the, the vibe in the grandstands, it's just been a very pleasant, wonderful weekend in the south of France. Right, last thing. This is also a Hungary preview. Eric, your top three for the Hungarian Grand Prix, right? Yeah, last year Esteban won. I think that will not happen again. I think Shaw will win. Uh, he has good recovery maybe from, um, from, he will close his doors for a few days and then go to Hungary. I think Ferrari has the best car there, for sure. Uh, yeah, what is for sure this year. I think Shaw win, uh, Max second and Carlos third. Such is the relentless pace of Formula One. There we go, that's the top three from Hungary. Daniel? I think Fernando will play a trick to be in the podium. And you just have to remember last year's resistance by Fernando to Lewis. Oh, 10 laps, uh, lap was, yeah, after it was, lap, it was kept mad. him and, and I think that they're going to try something maybe crazy to put him well up on the grid. And, and I'm sure he's going to make a podium before the end of the season. So I hope it's in Hungary because it, it, it rings a, a nostalgic bell in uh, Fernando's uh, I think you're a career. fan of um, Yeah, I am a fan, yes. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not with objective. Eric. I think... I'm not objective at all. I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm with Eric. I think it's going to be a strong weekend for Ferrari. Although I did say, as did Damon uh, in last week's show, that we thought Mercedes were going to uh, win here. And we were accused of being drunk. Maybe we were. But I do think they were closer. They were definitely closer. I'm going to say that. Look, guys, it's been wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you very, Thank you much, very much for your time. Now, quick call out from me is uh, we're going to do our Ask Damon summer specials in the August break so please send those in email a voice note to askdamon at f1.com and we will do our best to answer those and as we just discussed it's a double header so next Tuesday the 2nd of August we'll be back with the last word on everything that happens in Budapest next weekend really can't wait for it thank you folks for listening we really appreciate your support F1 Nation is produced by F1 and Audio Boom Studios.